You're listening to the B2B Content Show, a podcast about the how, what, and why of B2B content marketing. The podcast is brought to you by Conversa, a podcasting agency that helps B2B brands start podcasts to connect with prospects, grow brand awareness, and create better content. Now, one of the goals for every B2B content marketer is to create content that's going to inspire trust. Because as we all know, trust is a very precious commodity in the B2B world. If you're going to make sales, you got to get people to trust you. But earning people's trust takes time. It's not necessarily so easy, especially through content that you're creating. I mean, there are all different ways to do that. And my guest today is an expert on B2B content marketing and specifically on how to craft content that that very much does inspire trust in the audience. So Kim Celestri, welcome to the podcast. It is great to have you. Thank you so much. I appreciate the invite. Yeah, it's so, it's so great to have you here. Introduce yourself. Just tell us a little bit about what you do and where you work. Yeah, absolutely. So as you mentioned, I'm currently VP of Content Marketing at Tendo Communications, and we're an agency that is hyper-focused on, on B2B. And as you mentioned, end-to-end content. And prior to that, I mean, I've been in Silicon Valley for, oh my gosh, I'm going to date myself, about 27 years now. And so I've worked at a variety of tech companies, but pretty much most of my career spent in, in marketing for B2B, with the exception of a little, like, little blip in my, my career journey uh, in finance. So I kind of started out in finance supporting marketing and then, and then just built my, my B2B marketing career from there. So I've worked at Sun Microsystems. I was at Oracle, spent four and a half years as a Forrester analyst where, you know, I I talked a lot about social media for B2B at the time and community. Mm. And and back then it was still a little bit new. So so I did four, four and a half years of Forrester. Then I was at Jive, community platform vendor, Moved over to ChargePoint, where I built the B2B marketing engine there. I was there for a few years. Then, you know, I've worked at, you know, data security software company, and and now I'm at Tendo. So 27 years in, in Silicon Valley, you know, very much immersed in technology. And I would say the common denominator across all those positions has definitely been content. So mm-hmm. um, that's been pretty core, right, to, to pretty much every marketing role that I, I've had. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And well, well let, let's get into that then. Mm-hmm. As, as I said in my, my little spiel up front, you know, what, one common goal, I think, for any content marketer mm-hmm. is you're trying to earn trust just yep. to get people, especially at the top of the funnel, right? Get people mm-hmm. to dip their toe in. They're not going to do that if they don't trust you. Right. But, but sort of that's my take on it. You know, I'm, I'm not the expert. You are. So mm-hmm. what, when we talk about you know, earning trust, it can be a bit of a buzzword. So what are we actually talking about? Yeah, absolutely. And I'll I'll start with a stat from Deloitte that, you know, 88% of customers who highly trust the brand will buy more from that brand. So you can correlate trust with revenue, right? If you are building, first of all, your brand around authenticity and credibility, but also Every piece of content you put out there, right, is a reflection of your brand. And we have found that at, at Tendo, working with our clients, that human we call it humanized content, 
right? Mm -hmm. Content that is written, you know, as, as a human would, would understand it, if that makes sense. So basically, Mm -hmm. you know, a lot, especially in the tech industry, a lot of the content that you'll see out there is kind of stiff. It's not very personal, a lot of jargon. I know we, I know one of our most popular blog posts that, that we've done pertains to jargon, right. In, in content. So that's one part of it. It's just humanizing the content because that's going to resonate more with their audiences. But stepping back, one of the things that, that we feel is really, really important to build trust is having a really good content experience. And there's three attributes to a great content experience. First, it's connected. So regardless of the touch point or where that individual is in that buying journey, the the content is consistent. It has the same tone, right? And and over time, your audiences will know that that content is is from you as a brand, right? Because it's consistent regardless of, of what stage you're in in that journey. The second attribute is engaging. So engaging content, you know, it attracts users with compelling content that's meaningful. Um, it holds their attention um, by being helpful, authentic, and trustworthy. So, you know, it's really important to have content that's building trust because it will be more engaging. And then the last attribute is relevancy. And this gets into messaging that addresses the pain points or the interests, right, of your audience and also provides personalized content. And personalization is actually also a very important element of building trust, right? Because it shows that you understand your audience, you understand their pain points and their challenges, and you also understand how your solution or product, you know, will help solve those challenges. So those three attributes of a, a content experience will all help build trust over time. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we also have to also keep in mind that if you break the trust of your customer or audience, it is highly likely that they will not come back and Mm -hmm. work with your brand, right? So very, very important for any brand to build trust with, with their audiences through content. Okay. There's a lot to unpack there. And Mm -hmm. and I want to make sure to ask you about how what how, what happens when you, when you break trust or not what happens when you break trust but what are some things you can do that will make you seem untrustworthy but i want to get to that in a second right first yeah. you mentioned a few things that i want to unpack so one said you have a blog post about jargon that's that's very popular mm-hmm. it would seem to me that content with a lot of jargon is going to make it harder to make get people to trust you i know that's for me when i come across mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. I've actually never quite thought about it in that way, but it's not so much that I say like, mm, I don't trust this whole company. It's more mm-hmm. just kind of like, I don't even know what that means. And so it's hard right. to connect. You know yeah. what I mean? Yes. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. I, I think we could all come up with some examples of emails that we received or eBooks that we've, we've read. And, and it just, as you mentioned, it, it just does not resonate, right? Because you're using jargon that the average person doesn't use in their day-to-day, right? And it also shows that you don't really understand the the way your audience speaks, right, in a business context and, and how they articulate what they what they need or what their challenges are. So if you can't really 
create content that aligns with how that individual understands certain things, then, then right off the bat, you're not building trust or you're making it really hard to build trust. Yeah. So the, the particular wording really matters. Mm -hmm. I mean, all the details mm -hmm. matter, but just literally yeah. the words you use in your messaging are going to play a big role. Absolutely. Absolutely. What about not words, but numbers, data? Mm -hmm. And I asked that because on the one hand, I think there's a lot of data out there about mm -hmm. people tend to tend to trust content or take it more seriously when it is backed by data. Yes. And I understand why. Mm -hmm. But on the other hand, and again, small, super small sample size of one, namely me, just based on my own experience. But if I go to a website and it's filled with all kinds of claims, you know, we improve, increase revenue by X percent, or right. save you this much money. I'm always like, how much is this being inflated or exaggerated? Right. It's just my default mode. And maybe I'm just too, maybe I'm just being cynical. I don't know, but it seems like it can kind of cut both ways. Yeah. You know, I think it's a, it's a really good point. I, I think it's, you know, when you use, so this, this really, I, you know, if I look back on my Forrester background, right. I mean, all of our content is grounded in research and, and whether that's, you know, through interviewing individuals or subject matter experts or doing secondary research, right? You know, we, we grounded all of our content in facts and cited everything, right? So, and, and fact-checking is, is a really important element of building trust with content because we all have seen examples of content that a stat or, or just kind of going back to your example, it may be a case study where you see, you know, revenue increase by 500%, right? And yeah. the devil's in the details. So, you know, I think, I think it is, if you're transparent with how you are sharing statistics or results or quantitative elements of, of how you're working with your, your customers, you know, the more transparent you are about how you came up with that number, the more you're yeah. going to build trust. If you throw it out there and then hope that your audience is going to just trust it for face value, then, you know, you, you may be wrong. Yeah. Right. You need some context around any specific number. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, mm -hmm. for sure. So now I feel like in any conversation about, you know, trust and B2B content marketing, mm -hmm. we have to at least consider a generative AI. Yes. And, you know, on the one hand, what more is there to say about, about all this? There's been so much said, mm -hmm. but it's, it all seems kind of brand new. So I think there is a lot more to say really. And I just yeah. love to get your thoughts around, mm -hmm. you know, the, the advent of generative AI and the implications for what we're talking about for getting people to trust you. Right, right. Yeah. So it's important for everyone to remember that, you know, AI is pretty much everywhere. And I think in some cases, people forget that they may be using a tool that uses AI, yeah. right? So marketing automation is a perfect example of that. We've been using that for a long time. And, you know, there, there are some elements of AI built into those platforms. Now, AI is getting better. It seems like every hour, there's another advancement. You know, I know we've all been reading about 
chat GPT. I think chat GPT four is going to be announced soon. And that's supposed mm. to be a total game changer versus chat GPT three. So we'll see, you know, what happens there, but, but, you know, AI is a very powerful tool, you know, especially when you think about it making content creators or content marketers more efficient about what they're doing, taking out the time spent on repetitive and maybe mundane tasks and and that mm-hmm. frees up more time to be more strategic, right, about developing your content strategy. So there's a ton of benefits with it. But at the, at the same time, you need to be careful, right, about how you use it and where you want to use it and make sure that you're highly selective uh, in specifically when you're using AI tools for content creation. Because as we have seen, and there's many examples of this, Google and and their BARD event being one of them, Mm. where you may push something out there that is totally false. And um, there's nothing that's going to damage your brand more than, than relying on AI or outsourcing content creation to AI. And then having a customer or someone say, Hey, this is totally false. And it's, it's really hard to, to regain Mm -hmm. from that once that, that happens. So I think, you know, AI, again, I think it's, it's here to stay, you know, it's, it's only going to get better over time. And I think it's just really important from a content expect, from a content perspective to know what the implications will be, you know, if you are not using it responsibly. And and we could have a whole separate mm-hmm. conversation about yep. what that actually means. What Absolutely, does using yeah. it responsibly mean? Mm-hmm. And the, I mean, well, first of all, mm-hmm. it is just so interesting and kind of strange how the AI, how some of these apps will just make stuff up, as you yes. said before. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I did a little experiment just a few weeks ago. I just prompted yeah. Chat GPT. I said, mm-hmm. "Write a, a short bio of of me, Jeremy Shear, just to see what it yes. would do." Right. Right. And it basically just made up a bunch of stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like there is information yeah. about me out there, you know, not, yeah. I'm not famous or like not a ton, but still it was, it just made stuff up. And I was like, huh, wow, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. You know, it, and right. That could get you in a lot of trouble if you over rely on, yes. on a, a generative AI at pushing it beyond what it can actually legitimately do. Mm-hmm. And I yeah. guess, Maybe that's a real concern because so much of the hype around this technology is mm-hmm. it can write blog posts for you. Yes. It can write yeah. articles, like the whole yeah. thing. Oh, Not right, just help right. you, but, but yeah. you know, that's where I, that's what gives me the most pause. Like once you yeah. start outsourcing the entire creation of a piece of content to AI, even if afterwards you're mm-hmm. reading it over and fact checking it, I'm like, I I'm not sure. Is that okay? Does does that make it somehow less trustworthy, or does it matter at all? I, I'm not sure. What do you think? Yeah, I think, like I said, you know, you you need to use it responsibly. You can't accept it at face value when it comes to content creation. I do think there is value with certain types of content or the process of creating content. So, for example using chat GPT or other IA tools for research, right? Mm. Especially maybe persona research as an example, you know, say you just want to learn a little bit more about, you know, behaviors for a specific audience. And I do think that 
you know, for research purposes, it's very powerful. Just cuts down on the time that you would take doing a Google search right on that. Um, And it, it, it pulls together from a variety of different resources, right? The, the response, you know, for that specific prompt. So, you know, I think, I think there's, you know, there's the make sure that you're using it responsibly. You're, you're fact checking the, the responses that you're getting and not just automatically, you know, pushing that content out. I, again, I, I think, the risk with using AI for for content creation, I, I kind of look look at marketing automation as an example of, of this, right? So marketing automation made it a lot easier and simpler for marketers to develop email copy and email campaigns. And if you think about over the years, where has that gotten us? Well, our inboxes are filled mm. with spammy <laughs> emails, right, that aren't personalized, I mean, I'm sure you, you probably have, you know, in your, in your mind, at least 10 really awful examples of email marketing (laughs) based on, based on what you're getting in your inbox. Actually, I just had one this morning. So Mm. I had an email from a tech vendor and when I opened it up, it said, hi, Michael. And (laughs) (laughs) nice. it's like, well, (laughs) that's a bad start. Right. So, (laughs) so I, I think that, you know, AI, it's still early days, it's evolving quickly. You know, I I think we just have to, you know, constantly keep in mind that there needs to be a human in the loop, right, as far as monitoring it, and using it in a way that is not going to, to basically damage your, the trust of your brand. Yeah, something we all need to keep to, Mm -hmm. to keep in mind. Mm-hmm. Right. Because on the other hand, this technology is very alluring and, yeah. and has a oh, lot yeah. of promise. Mm-hmm. And it's we're just in like, you know, top half of the first inning here with this stuff. Yes. yes. And so it's going to take a little time. But well, there's so much more there mm-hmm. that we could say about it. We could have a whole other whole other podcast episode just about that. But right. but for now, Kim, how can folks reach you? What's the best way to connect? The best way to connect with me is you could always reach out to me via email. And uh, my email address is kimc at tendocom.com. And you could also reach out to me through our website, which is tendocom.com. Okay, excellent. And you're on LinkedIn, of course. Oh, definitely. Yes. Yes. So just look me up, Kim Celestry. I think I'm the only Kim Celestry on LinkedIn. Okay, (laughs) excellent. Well, that that makes it a little bit easier. They'll make it easy. Yeah. Indeed. Well, Kim, thank you so much for your time and for a great conversation. Really enjoyed it. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. That's it for this episode of the B2B Content Show. You can subscribe anywhere you get podcasts on any podcast app. And while you're at it, you might as well give the show five stars and leave an over-the-top comment about how much you love the podcast. If you'd like to be a guest on the show or you know someone who you think would be a great guest, let us know. You can contact me at jeremy at conversa.com. That's C-O-N-N-Versa.com. The B2B Content Show is brought to you by Conversa Podcasting. Check us out at conversa.com to learn more about how we help B2B brands start podcasts to connect through conversation with the buyers and decision makers you need to get to know to grow your business. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.